Welcome to the Sunday Sermon Podcast of First United Methodist Church in Opelika. We'd love for you to join us for worship each Sunday at 9 o'clock or 10.30 a.m. To learn more about First United Methodist, visit us online at fumcopelika.org or follow us on Instagram or Facebook at fumcopelika. Thanks for tuning in. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Colossians. Colossians is found about halfway through the New Testament. If you get to the book of Revelations, you've gone too far. If you are in the Gospels, you've still got a little ways to go. Um, But Colossians is is there. Um, It's one of the letters that Paul has written for uh, the churches that he loved and served uh, in his time. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn to Colossians. Uh, pull out your phones. This is a time when you can pull out your phones if you need to go to your Bible there, or we have the words on the screen. I invite you to stand for the hearing of God's Word. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before the word of the truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy." giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. And let us pray. Holy God, show us Christ through the preaching of your word so that everyone may claim Christ as Lord. Amen. So I love the Lord of the Rings. I'm a big fan. I can watch all 15 hours of the extended edition, no problem. Go ahead and pray for my family. Um, But besides the great movies, I really do love the books. J.R.R. Tolkien created not just this epic adventure tale, but in the midst of it, he creates characters and situations that really have their roots in our reality. We can learn a lot 
They're not just two-dimensional characters of good guys and bad guys. Some of them go through these great transformations. One of the characters that goes through a great transformation is Gimli the dwarf. Gimli is a typical dwarf. He does two things very well. He loves treasure deep down in the ground, and he hates elves. Though simple, very, very simple. But then something happens along the way. He enters the wood being a treasure-loving, elf-hating dwarf, and he comes out on the other side completely different. When he comes out on the other side, his best friend is now an elf. And the thing he treasures most in the world is a lock of hair. A lock of hair that he received when he encountered the most beautiful elf in all of the world. It was this encounter that transformed Gimli forever. You may have had chance encounters that changed your life. The church in Colossae had one too. Colossae is an ancient town that originally was a major city that connected the port city of Ephesus with other major cities further on into Asia. But as happens, the government gets involved and they rerouted traffic. You know what I'm talking about. Those towns that were cute and thriving and wonderful and then they do a bypass and they shrivel up. That happened to Colossae. It was once a major town and by the time we get to this letter, they've shrunk. They don't have power. They're insignificant. They're dying. And then along comes a visiting pastor by the name of Epaphras and a new church is birthed. But it's not just any church. It's a church that grabs the attention of the Apostle Paul, who, as far as we know, when he writes this letter, has never even been to Colossae. He's never met any of these people that he's praying for and that he's celebrating. What was so special about these people? They had a big faith and a deep love. And it's not just any ordinary love. The word love that's used in the first part of this passage to describe the Colossians' love for all the saints is the exact same love that is used to describe God's love for the Son, God's beloved Son, later on in our reading. It's the word agape. You may have heard it before. It is a pure love. It is a holy love. Well, as I'm studying this passage, my mind goes to questions like, What made this group of people in a dying town become so transformed that they're known for their faith and their love throughout the Christian world? So I dug a little deeper, and it's right there in the scripture. It's right there in verse 5. It says, Of this you have heard, the faith and love, Before, in the word of truth, the gospel. The word of truth, the gospel. That's it. That's it. It's the gospel. The end. But I'm sure there's some of you who are thinking, Mary Virginia, I take in a lot of information. I read a lot of things, and I'm not transformed by it. So what makes this gospel, what makes this word so transformative? 
Let me tell you, it's right there on the screen. There's two things. The gospel is transformative because it reverses the curse. Let me say this again. The gospel is transformative because it reverses the curse. What curse am I talking about? It's the one that we learn about all the way back in Genesis. So one of the things I love about Paul is he's really good about connecting gospel-centered truth with Old Testament stories and promises, showing how the whole story weaves together. And he does the same thing here in this first chapter of Colossians. When a Jewish Christian reader would have read the words, or heard the words in this case, bearing fruit or increasing. If you've got a different translation, you might have seen the words growing or spreading abroad. They would have seen those words. They would have seen the phrase, all spiritual wisdom. Later on, they would have heard Paul refer to Christ as the creator. And they would have put all of that together, and they would have go, Genesis. I know he's, he's, he's referring back to Genesis. And in Genesis chapter 1, we see this connection. Let me set up the, the scene for you. It's the sixth day of creation. God has created man and woman in God's image. And after he creates them, God gives them this command. We see it in chapter 1 in verse 28. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. See? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth bear fruit, increasing. It's all connected. We see from the beginning, God is interested in bear, being fruitful and multiplying. But Adam and Eve, as you know, a few chapters later, they mess it all up. They go after wisdom their own way by eating of fruit off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They could have had all spiritual wisdom, as Paul calls it, if they had walked with the Lord and followed his commands, but they chose a different route. And in doing so, from generation to generation after that, sin bore fruit, sin increased, and the curse spread throughout the earth. But then came Jesus. And Jesus did something amazing. Through his death and resurrection, he began a new creation. As we saw in our reading at Colossians, beginning Colossians 1.13, it says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Through his death and resurrection, Jesus undid the curse. And so this gospel, this good news of Christ, when we let it come into our lives, it transforms us. It reverses the curse. And not only that, and this is what I think is really cool, it's not just transformative for us. Because just like with the first creation, God gave a command, with this new creation, God also gives a command to be fruitful and multiply. You've heard it this way as the great commission. In Matthew 28, beginning in verse 19, you we hear these words, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. 
and I am, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go make of all disciples, be fruitful and multiply. This transforming, curse-reversing gospel not only transforms you, but it allows you to transform the world. It's amazing. It's powerful. It's awesome. You can do this work in your families. You can do it in your schools, in your workplaces. God may even send you to the ends of the earth for that very purpose. This gospel, this curse-reversing gospel, because it creates risk when we have to go out and be fruitful and multiply, it's not a um, gospel without a promise. If you look in, back in our text of Colossians, it says that this word of truth, the gospel, is undergirded by the hope laid up for them in heaven, laid up for the Colossians up in heaven. And so we can boldly love. We can have deep-rooted faith because we know we have a secure future. So I, before we go to the second point, I do want to reiterate our first point. The gospel is transformative because it reverses the curse. And as you see on the screens, the other reason the gospel is transformative is because it reveals a powerful cosmic Christ. There's a passage following our lesson today that I want you to take a look at. We're going to read from the message translation because I think it, it takes some of this big language and, and puts it into words that we can better understand. We look at this sun and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this sun and see God's original purpose in everything created, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme to the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so expansive that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe. People and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies. All because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. This Jesus that is described above, this is not some meek and mild man who does a few good miracles and tells us some good things to remember. This is a cosmic Christ that should take our breath away. I remember the first time a statue took my breath away. I had seen Michelangelo's David in textbooks. I had seen pictures of it on, and on film. I, even walking through the streets of Florence, they got a miniature David. And it's like, oh, that's cool. But I couldn't have been prepared for the reaction that I had 
when I turned the corner of the museum where it's kept, and I saw it. First of all, this thing is huge. <laughs> it's beyond anything you could imagine in size. It's also this great example of Renaissance art where you can, he doesn't look like a skinny 12-year-old, he looks more like a Greek god. It's, it's pretty impressive. But what is so, what just caught my attention and just held me was the attention to detail in that Michelangelo captured the furrow in David's brow. And you could see the contracting of the muscles as he's preparing to throw the slingshot to defeat the giant David. You see this determination of, I don't know what's going to happen, but I am trusting God and I'm going to defend him. And I stood there and all of a sudden I realized I had tears streaming down my face. And when it was time for our group to move on, I didn't want to leave. I was transfixed by this majesty, this beautiful statue. You may have had a moment like that. It could have been a statue, a piece of art, the Grand Canyon. But I want you to take that moment and I want you to blow it up to a universe engulfing eternal scale. And that's what Paul wants the Colossians to understand. That's what I want you to understand. That the gospel that they have believed and trusted has transformed them because of their awe-inspiring revelation of a cosmic Christ. This Jesus is not some man. He is a revelation of God in the flesh. He is gloriously exalted. This is a revelation that the people can come back to over and over as they hear and proclaim the gospel. This revelation of Christ, the word, this gospel, it has the power to transform. This cosmic Christ created the world and then recreated it with new life for the people who made up the church of Colossae. And he will continue to sustain them in the face of persecution and competing religious ideas. This same curse-reversing cosmic Christ wants to transform you and this world too. At the end of The Lord of the Rings, one of the characters, Sam, a little hobbit, has a reunion with Gandalf the wizard. See, Gandalf had died and somehow was miraculously resurrected. And when they meet for the first time again, Sam exclaims with astonishment, does this mean that everything sad is coming untrue? In the presence of a cosmic curse-reversing Christ, brothers and sisters, we can answer, yes. Everything sad is coming untrue. Do you believe that? Do you know that? Paul prayed that the Colossians would continue to dive deep into that knowledge and understanding. And I'm praying that for you, too. You may be here today because it's Sunday in the South and this is just what you're supposed to do, or somebody drug you here with the promise of a nice 4th of July brunch afterwards, but you've never encountered this transforming power of Christ in your life. You've never let the gospel take root in your soul. You've never stood in awe of the cosmic Christ and bowed your heart 
to him. You're still bound by the curse that binds all of our fallen world. Well, let me tell you something. Today is the day to experience freedom. Today is the day to experience transformation. This is the day when all the sad things can come untrue for you. Our God does not want you to leave his presence unchanged. Maybe some of you are here and you came in and you flashed a smile at the welcome team and you sat down in your chair and prayed. No one would ask you how you're doing, how your week has been. Because if they do, the lump's going to come into your throat and you're just going to want to run away. Because of what's going on in your life. It may be divorce. It could be a, a, a broken marriage. It could be secrets revealed. It could be the loss of a job. It could be the loss of a loved one. It could be a million other things that are weighing down on you. I've been there. I've sat in that chair praying no one would talk to me. Not being able to make it through the songs. But we have a cosmic Christ who is able to sustain you. He sustained me through the darkest pits and he wants to walk with you through the valley of whatever it is. We have a powerful Christ and he's ready to work a transformation in your situation. There may be some of you though who in hearing this message you've gotten the prick of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel maybe with someone in your family, somebody at work, in your neighborhood. God may even be calling you to consider vocational ministry, missionary work. And you're wondering, can I do this? Do I have the power? You may be feeling inadequate, unprepared, and powerless. But I want you to remember this. You have a curse-reversing cosmic Christ that will provide you with the power through the Holy Spirit to express love and faith that will not only transform you, but will transform wherever God sent you. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for your transforming, curse-reversing, cosmic Christ-revealing word. For the individuals today who they haven't come into the presence of this life-changing power, I pray that they surrender their hearts to you, that they bow the knee, that they say, yes, Lord, I want to be transformed. I want to know your freedom. I want to know your forgiveness. Lord, hear their prayers. Let them know that they are forgiven in your name. Let them know that they are your children, beloved and precious. Lord, for the individual that's walking through a deep valley that feels powerless under the weight of whatever it is that the world has thrown at them, Lord, may they feel your power. May they feel your presence. Let them know that you're not just walking alongside them, but you are carrying them that they have a hope and a promise and a future, no matter what the Lord or what the world has for them now. 
And Lord, for those individuals who may be hearing that call, who maybe you've pricked their hearts to go a little bit deeper just in growing with their families in love for you. Lord, may they feel your presence. May they feel empowered to share the gospel in new ways so that this gospel will bear fruit and increase throughout the world. It's in your name we pray. Amen.